Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. On our panel today, as usually are on our panel, all four of us who are here today, I'm going to start from my left, Vicki Cundiff, who is one of the associate pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Mick Wells is president of Wells of Salvation Ministries. He is also one of the co-hosts for Cross Connection Radio. And Steve Wilson. Steve is an author, a Christian game programmer. He has a Master's of Divinity from United Theological Seminary in Dayton. And the topic today is being in the family of God. And Steve has said that he would like to kind of lead this one today. So Steve, what have you got for us? Well, I'd like to... Uh, ask four questions today. Four questions are, what effect does being in the family of God how have on how we view ourselves? How does our being in the family of God affect our relationship with our Christian family members? And then how does it affect our relationship with our non-Christian family members? And then finally, how should we treat our non-Christian family members? So let's go ahead and just get to the first question. What effect does being in the family of God have on how we view ourselves? And then I've got a couple of verses that I want to read. We could read Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, Vicki. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So the question I want to ask there is, how do those verses affect how we view ourselves in our relationship to God? Well, for me... um, one of the great things about being a child of God is to know that my identity is found in Him. It's found in now being, you know, my sins have been forgiven and erased, and and now I've been brought into the family of God, and as it says here, adopted and a co-heir with Christ. And, you know, and to know that now uh, He is shaping my life to be more like Him. And, uh, you know, we're going into this image of uh, being adopted and the sonship and everything and becoming holy as he is holy, you know, and it's process as far as, uh, um, I mean, not that we won't even go that route. <laughs> Never mind about that word about entire sanctification. But anyway, just that this is, this is pro, um, a process, you know, to uh, that our lives are being shaped not in a worldly way like we were in the past, but now it's being shaped by Christ. And I find that very comforting because no matter what anyone may think or say or try to tell me who I am, I know I'm a child of God and, and I try my best to see myself as he sees me. I think for me it's the, um, the whole idea of the, the sense of belonging and to be loved enough by the one who created me to be sp- become, through adoption, spiritually related uh, to my creator and, and redeemer. So <clears throat> it, 
it really puts you in a, I, I say you, I'm speaking for myself here, but it puts me in a comfort zone to know that God loves me enough to have me relate as a, a son and one who is accepted. I feel like I have a strong sense of belonging now mm-hmm. uh, to God. I'm glad that you had us read the uh, Bible <clears throat> passage there because I believe that that passage shed some light on it because that shows kind of a loving father in in this passage. And I know that when I was a very young person, probably even too young to realize what it meant to have God as a father, my understanding of being a child was oftentimes being under the authority of somebody who was very disciplinarian. And the fact that we can read this passage and see the word Abba, and Abba meaning kind of daddy, um, that closeness of relationship, um, that sheds a whole new light on what it means to actually be part of that family. And so we have a, a good view of ourselves as far as what it means to be a child of God. And I always think of the dignity that we have as children of God. You know, we are children of the King. We are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. And so the way that we view ourselves then should be in the light of the glory that he's given us, the value that he's placed on us. It says that we no longer have a spirit that makes us slaves or that makes us live in fear. Because we have that relationship, we live in that dignity, that glory that he's given us. Yeah, let's read another passage from Mark chapter 3. I've got selected verses here. Yes, these are verses 20 to 21 and 31 to 35. The gospel reads, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Okay. What do you think about that story? How does Jesus' statement there... um, help you understand your relationship in the family of God? I always thought of it as being that, well, if I'm doing his will, then I'm his brother. But you know what I always used to think as well is, I wonder how his biological family felt about this. You know, um, I could just see what it was like, and you might be getting to some of these questions later on from what you told us, um, how it affects family members. So I'm not going to go into too many stories there, but I think that, I always thought that was kind of cool when I first read these things, when I was first reading the Bible as a young Christian, that, wow, I can call Jesus my brother. You know, I see it so inclusive that you belong no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, um, and you're, you know, once you come to Christ and, you know, you're forgiven your sins, you're, the Scripture earlier, we're not slave to sin any longer— and so it's very inclusive that, that you belong and that you're part of this family. 
Well, I came to realize after uh, meditating on that those verses there, Steve, that uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of relatives. <laughs> there, anybody out there doing the will of God, being my brother and sister and mother, uh, we tend to think of family as being in our immediate physical family, but we're talking um, many, many thousands, millions, I hope, uh, and it's... Uh, rather awesome to consider. Mm. One thing I find interesting there is that it seems that Jesus is kind of putting those who follow his Father's will above his biological family. It's almost as if he's saying, look, this is my real family, those who follow the Father's will, and this family outside who's calling me out of my mind and trying to take control of me, well, they're not my family in the same way that uh, followers of God are. Do you all read it that way? Well, yeah, that's good. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of how it was when, uh, again, I was a very young Christian, and um, I kind of was reading these kind of passages, not having a whole lot of knowledge behind them, but just taking a lot of these things at face value. And um, looking back on it, I can see how my family, who really wasn't that much into Jesus at the time, now I think they later kind of got there, but um, they probably thought I was a grade A number one jerk because I wasn't looking at things through the eyes of loving other people, but more along the lines of, hey, if I'm a child of God, I got to do what God says, forget about you. And that was not really the right thing to do. Okay, so let's take a look at how our being in the family of God affects our relationship to other family members. First, how does our relationship uh, with other family members who are Christians maybe change once we join the family of God? I think that uh, when you become a Christian, you start seeing people more in terms of how God sees them and I've wondered in connection with our previous discussion here whether we can or should distinguish the types of family. Is he talking about two types of family? Because consider then if I'm in a, a home where some of the relatives, the physical relatives, are Christians and some are not Christians, I've got this odd situation where a blood relative is part of my family, obviously, but not part of my spiritual family. Do you see that kind of dichotomy there? And it's kind of like you've got a family within a family. I know that I definitely have a deeper connection, a you know, stronger bond with family members who are Christian. Unfortunately, I don't have many family members who are Christian, um, but... Those that I do, I say, oh, hey, you know, I've got something in common with this person. We can talk about things. We're on the same wavelength. We look at things um, from the same worldview. You know, we don't have to argue as much and, and butt heads as much as I do with the non-Christian family members. So it definitely becomes, at least for me, kind of a, an oasis within my non-Christian family members to, you know, have that connection to a Christian member. We kind of talk about a concentric circle uh, visual illustration, I guess, sometimes. So maybe you're saying that those uh, who are Christians within your 
biological family are actually a little bit closer to your concentric circle, and then the next ones are maybe a little bit uh, outside of that? Would that be a good way of saying it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of grandparents and cousins who are Christians, and even though they're not as close to me, when I'm with them, I still feel that uh, that kindred spirit, I guess. Well, we have a lot more we're going to be talking about, about what it means to be in the family of God. But first, we're going to take a break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with the next segment of Reconciling Grace. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. We're talking about what it means to be in the family of God. And Steve, you said you had another question you wanted to uh, start this segment with. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about how we relate to our Christian family members uh, once we become Christians and join that family of God. And now I want to talk specifically about how does our being in the family of God change our relationship or affect our relationship to non-Christian family members? And again, I've got a couple of verses here. Uh, I want to read Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 62. He, meaning Jesus, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Okay, so what do these verses tell us about how we should relate to non-Christian family members? I read them at face value when I was first uh, giving my life to the Lord when I was in college, and as I said, I acted a lot like a jerk. I remember my mother even said something to me one time about a family member who was, you know, getting up in age, and I was going to be out on the road with uh, one of the Christian groups I was with that toured, and she was saying, well, what would happen if something happens to, and I can't remember who it was, and I looked at her and says, let the dead bury their own dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was a jerk. <laughs> I think in these uh, verses we see that basically what Jesus' meaning is Family can't come before him and, and his will, you know, and following him and his purposes. And as far as relating to them and them relating to us, they can't fully understand something they've not experienced. And so sometimes they can look at us and think, why are you making that decision? Why is church so uh, important to you? Or or why are you doing, making that decision when you're just, you know, following the will of God for your life? You're going to church because now it's it's important to you. You know, that's God's calling for us as well, um, but they just they just don't understand because they've not experienced it yet. And so we pray for them, and we try to live the life in front of them, and hopefully that they will come around to that. But I just see that relation here that God has to come first over family. I agree with that. Uh, if I were to classify some of these verses, I would classify them as hard sayings of Jesus, however, because there are a number of places in the Scripture where we're admonished to to take care of our family. Mm -hmm. And the thought of not burying one's father, that's troubling to me. And uh, not being able to tell my family goodbye, I'm responsible for my family. And uh, so 
to this day, I haven't totally reconciled those verses in my mind other than to conclude uh, maybe through hyperbole, I don't know, but the Lord is telling me to put him first. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. And just a, a note on that verse, I was looking at that recently, and uh, I came across some information that said, well, this man who, who said, let me go bury my father first, he was really just making excuses. His father had not died. He was just saying, well, let me wait until all my other obligations are taken care of, then I'll come follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't wait. But I agree. I think the interpretation remains the same. We have to put Christ before family. And next verse, uh, actually a group of verses here, Luke 12, verses 51 to 53. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Oh, divided. Well, don't those in-law things happen even if you're not a Christian? (laughs) Well, I've been pretty lucky on that, so I can't comment. Yeah, really, I have too, honestly. But uh, well, it didn't say anything up here about in-laws in the beginning, though. <laughs> it talked about personal family members. <laughs> but have any of you ever felt divided from your family members because you had made a decision for Christ and they had not? I have um, in my home. Fortunately, um, everybody in my household has a profession of faith, but there were times when I had a rebellious family member who at one point uh, disowned God, distanced himself, saying, I don't believe in him, and so forth. I think our responsibility in these divided houses is to, our our lives are under a microscope, by the way, for the non-Christian family member, we are living out our faith in front of them. We're an example. I think that is our responsibility, and it occurs to me that uh, not just within families, but the same gospel that compels some repels others. You can see it all over the world, and so I think we just have to continue standing on uh, God's truth and modeling um, through our lives how we live our lives in example so they can see the, the joy unspeakable that's within us. My next question is, have you ever been tempted to close that divide? In other words, have you ever felt the urge to maybe compromise uh, some of your Christian beliefs or Christian convictions in order to relate better to a non-Christian family member? Well, I think that I'd like to say this. Um, I think that as I grew in maturity and spiritual maturity and, yeah, in age maturity and everything, too, um, I felt like what I really needed to grow in was grace. And so when I was a younger Christian, meaning, you know, I'd just given my life to the Lord, I tended to be one of these guys who is so non-legalistic that I was legalistic about it. And, uh, you know, basically it was my way or the highway. And, you know, if the Bible said this, this is it. And um, what I realized is that sometimes I placed... 
things upon myself that I was supposed to do. You know, Christians are supposed to do X, Y, Z, and you never change that. When I realized that sometimes, you know what, maybe it's not always wrong to not be at the church every time the doors are open. For instance, you know, I I grew up in a non-practicing Catholic home, so we hardly ever went to church. When I was in college and I gave my life to the Lord, basically, um, I hardly ever went to the Sunday morning services, but we had a Wednesday evening service that was basically my cup of tea, really spoke to me, really, we worshiped the Lord well there. Um, And then it got to the point where I just didn't always know what to do. I came to the Church of the Nazarene, and basically it was because my wife was Nazarene. That was what introduced me to it. And we didn't go to church once a week. We went to Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. And at that time, we were having kids, and our lives were getting busier and busier. And I remember there was one night where it was a Sunday evening. I shouldn't say it was night. Sunday evening. And my wife was not feeling well. She used to get very, very bad headaches. And she wasn't feeling well at that time. And um, I was just struggling with the whole idea. But it's Sunday night. We've got to go to church. And it was maybe about a half hour or so before we were supposed to leave. And my middle child, my my, uh, second child, was just at the stage of life where he was starting to crawl. And I remember watching him do something in the backyard as I was sitting there. And I said, you know what? I'm missing this boy grow up because I've been so busy with church. And so maybe I wasn't compromising things, but maybe I was learning that sometimes there's got to be some give and take, and that's part of my maturity. So I'm not sure if that's answering your question or if that's getting so far afield, but um, I don't know that I've ever actually compromised something that I felt God wanted me to do, but I have compromised things where I had always felt pressure to do things where I realized that maybe I don't really have to do those things. That's just me putting the pressure on me or maybe other Christians putting the pressure on me. Mm-hmm. I know I've felt uh, kind of the desire to close that gap, you know. I think, well, if I can just not uh, not betray my convictions but loosen up a little bit, you know, maybe I'll be able to relate better to my dad or to my brother, things like that. So I know that uh, for a lot of people it can be a, a real struggle having non-Christian family members and, you know, wanting to do what you can to relate to them. I think at the same time, it's very important that they see consistency, whether they agree with it or not, or complain about it. Um, They see your faithfulness of how you live, what you do, going to church, living your life for Christ, and eventually it'll win them over, (laughs) you know, but I think it is important of what they're saying, whether they're saying it to you or not. Mm -hmm. I've encountered some situations where I'm not sure if it's compromise of faith, but it certainly has given me food for thought. Um, With a a problem family member, as head of the household, um, I had in my home um, a son who engaged in uh, habits that I would say I would never do myself. And so I try, it, it makes me step back and say, okay, do I really come down hard on this child? For those habits, uh, 
and if I back off, is it a compromise of my faith? And my bottom line in all that was to try to see them as Jesus saw them without endangering uh, the lives of other family members. I, I know that's kind of vague, but it, it, it is a time when uh, you or I basically engaged in uh, a tolerance to a level that I uh, typically would not have because I wanted to see them through the eyes of Jesus. Okay. So that brings me to the next question of how should we treat non-Christian family members? And I want to read a couple of verses and kind of uh, contrast what they say here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then if we could also read Mark chapter 7, Verse 9 through 13. Yes, and the, the gospel says, and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Okay. And if we could read one more verse, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. And so in light of those three verses and anything else you might want to add, how should we treat our non-Christian family members? We need to love them. They need to have the same love and respect that we give anyone else. You know, unconditional love is supposed to be spread to everyone, and there's, there's no respect of persons in that, of whether or not you're just the... Uh, the family of God, but the, the scripture you read, Steve, from Galatians, it said, let us do good to all people, but mm -hmm. it's just said, especially uh, to those family of believers. And I think of uh, prior programs where we've discussed our, uh, the concepts of family versus family being uh, spiritual family, fellow Christians, versus neighbors. And the Bible even goes so far as to talk about enemies, praying for them. So uh, not necessarily that our physical family members are enemies, but as a minimum, we should treat them like a neighbor, one who needs to know uh, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's how we're going to win them over as well, you know, showing love and kindness and respect, not compromising our own values, uh, but just showing them the love of Christ. And I thought along with the theme of our program this evening of these verses and chorus from Bill Gaither's song, The Family of God, I'll share that with you. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God I belong. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family 
the family of God. Very nice. I like that. And we just have a few moments here before we have to close up because we're going to be running out of time. But uh, we've been talking about what it means to be part of the family of God. And I believe that all of us here are part of the family of God. Steve Wilson and Mick Wells, Vicki Cundiff, and myself, Pete Vecchi. Um, if you'd like any of us to speak with you or your church, please let us know. Send us an email. Send it to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. You can go to the Reconciling Grace Facebook page. You can also ask us any questions that you might have that you'd like to have us discuss. So it's time for us to be signing off today. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.